like that we are back this is moving forward with young voices on the fed by ravens media network very happy to welcome daniel chang contreras to the show daniel welcome to uh moving forward oh thank you for having me brian i'm really happy to be here you and i've got a great topic to talk about we're going to talk about how if europe is our ally it should be putting pressure on cuba but before we go there tell us just a little bit about yourself uh, well, of course, I am. Um, I'm, a, I'm originally from Venezuela. I'm from Maracaibo, Venezuela. I got here to the United States 2017. I did my undergrad in political science and economics in the University of South Florida in Tampa. And I've been with Young Voices a couple months, and right now I am doing a graduate program in American University here at Washington D.C. Okay, there's been a lot of different stuff going on in the news cycle. It wasn't that long ago that we saw thousands of Cubans out protesting on the streets of Havana, upset with their government, upset with their economy and all of the things that have been on them. I don't hear much about that in the news. Is is this still a pretty big movement? Is it still are there big waves being made in Cuba? Well, what for what we understand, for what we know, uh, the situation has remain as I would say regretfully more favorable for the Cuban government over the last few weeks. Uh, the protests were quite big and were like the biggest since at least the nineteen nineties. Uh, of course Cuban people has always uh, done their best to resist the uh, the Castro regime, but you know, these were like the biggest one. However, uh, we have little information about Cuba, and it's difficult sometimes because the Cuban government has managed to blockade internet uh, access toward the island. But for what we know um, the the bulk of the protest uh, occurred a couple months ago, and they have somehow the Cuban government through repression have managed to get the situation under control for now, at least. That's what kind of we know, but it's always murky situation. You mentioned in your article that uh, it's probably pretty natural since Cuba's so close to the the coast of the United States that people would look to the U.S. for guidance on you know how how should this be handled in your opinion. The, the current administration, have they done anything to encourage or to to better or, or to worsen the situation? Well, they haven't. Uh, I expected much less. I'm going to be honest, quite honest. Now, that's not a high bar. Um, Biden administration, as, long as, as soon as the Cuban protests come on, at the beginning was kind of like silent. Eventually, he condemned not only the uh, Castrista regime, he also said socialism is a uh, communism is a failed model and whatnot. Things are, are quite correct, and he imposed some sanctions. However, those measures are, you know, are, are a lot of show, and they won't have a huge effect on the Castrista regime. Uh, after all, the, the Cuba has been has almost non-economic relations with, you know, very little economic relations with the United States for like at least 50 years. So, of course, uh, one more financial sanction won't do the, won't do the job, uh, of course. So he has done a, a few things probably to save face with a, a Cuban-American community in South Florida to avoid getting, getting clobbered in in Miami Day and Broward in 2024. But, uh, of course, it has, it has not been enough, clearly, to uh, displace the Cuban regime. Okay, so let's talk about Europe. And and if if Europe is an ally to the U.S., how could they be more helpful in regards to to Cuba? You mentioned in your article that, um, you know, 60 years now, the U.S. has had a very tight, you know, embargo against Cuba and sanctions and have, have done everything they can to prevent any kind of commerce with that. But that hasn't been the case with Europe, has it? 
No, uh, actually, quite quite the contrary. While the United States has, uh, in many ways, have a um, an embargo, uh, you know, the Cuban the Cuban propaganda would say blockade or, or whatever. Really, the the Union has actually been and is currently one of the biggest. Uh, if not the biggest uh, trade partners with with Cuba, according to even uh, documentation from the European Commission, uh, Q, uh, the, the EU 27 uh, accounts for 37, 36.5 of total uh, trade between Cuba and the rest of the world. So it's the number one trade, uh, top trading partner. Uh, the, Q, the European Union has voted with Cuba regarding the issue of the embargo repeatedly throughout the year. So while the United States have, you know, uh, tried to do its best, imposing all of its economic might and financial might to levy sanctions against Cuba, the EU has actually done the opposite. The EU actually doesn't have much of sanctions with um, against uh, the Castrista regime in Cuba. So they actually have traded more with uh, with Cuba than even like countries like China or or uh, Russia. Really. Now, like you point out in your article. On the one hand, you know, I, there's a lot to be said for free trade. But when the government is actually taking all the spoils, essentially, and not none of that free trade actually seems to reach the citizenry, I guess it's hard to call it free trade, isn't it? Exactly. So uh, I'm a, I'm pro free trade. Uh, however, it's free trade presupposes, and to some extent, that is actually you know free in the sense that people can actually have private companies or. Uh, Entrepreneurs and their own uh, their own uh, little companies to you know get uh, goods and services throughout uh, from from the rest of the world and actually sell them actually to, to the rest of the world. However, in Cuba, that's not a situation. Cuba is actually really uh, it's communist state in many ways, and they the, the military actually is the biggest uh, shareholder in Cuba. Actually, the, the main the main companies in Cuba are owned by the military, and there are a few like really little businesses that Cuba has kind of allowed in some way or the other. But the main, you know, the, the, the people who are getting the the main uh, share of the cake are the military uh, in Cuba. So it's not, it, it's paying ransom. I said it's paying ransom to the uh, Cuban regime so they can actually feed their own people. So it is not like free trade and the uh, liberal sense, as we say. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to confess... I don't know what uh, what Cuba has in trade. I always think, oh, Cuban cigars. That's <laughs> but I'm, sure, I'm sure they have other things that they would export. And uh, what what kind of trade is taking place between Europe and and Cuba? For instance, what does Europe buy from Cuba? What uh, what do they export to Cuba? So the situation uh, it's that um, Cuba usually and more than not, uh, it's just, it's uh, really agrarian uh, produce that they export. Um, so that's that's the main thing for Cuba. However, like the European Union, of course, provides not only uh, more finished goods, but also they have investments, actually financial investments in Cuba. Um, when we're talking about the tourism industry in Cuba, that but was handled by the uh, by the Cuban government. Europe has to play a, a role in it. And so, yes, I mean that that's the situation with, with Cuba. The main part of Cuban. Exports towards the European Union are live animals and animal products, and the second one will be, you know, uh, tobacco, beverages, and whatnot. And one we see, of course, of, uh, in the hands of the European Union is also it's a variety of issues, which is expected, right? The European Union is, of course, a developed economy, our developed economy, so they have a wide variety or variety of exports to Cuba, including, of course. Agricultural produce, grocery machinery, and a lot of things that, of course, the Cuban uh, economy does not sustain. Daniel, in your opinion, what would have to change um, that would would 
cause, a, you know, a lowering of the tensions between the United States and Cuba? Is it anything short of a complete, you know, wiping of the slate and institution, you know, installing a new government? Or could could it take place, you know, at a milder level? Well, the problem here is what are our uh, objective? If our objective is just easing tensions, I think that's quite basically simple. I mean, easing the tensions per se, if that is the objective, then, you know, the U.S. government can say, we basically say, well, we don't care who is in government in Cuba. Uh, you guys have been there for like seven, 60 years plus. Uh, so we don't care. We're going to have just equal normal relationship with you guys as you were another dictatorship we have relationship with, which the United States has with Obama. Uh, if that is the object, if that is the objective is only easing up the relationship, that's the only thing that the United States government has to do. And probably with a Democratic president, that would be more feasible to do than with a Republican one, of course, uh, because of electoral concerns. However, if the goal is having actually a Cuban, um, a situation in Cuba that is more palatable for the values of American uh, democracy and American, American foreign policy in many ways, then that is a different question, right? And then that's a question that has been puzzle in the minds of foreign policy establishment in D.C. for, I want to say, four or five decades, right? So that, that's actually the question. If, if isn't relationship is the only sole objective, I think it's quite easy. The United States can just accept the status quo and do nothing really, But if the, which Obama kind of tried to do. If the objective is looking for a different situation in Cuba, then we are asking the right questions. And I have to wonder this. I'm not trying to defend Cuba's communist government. I understand they're very brutal. And, uh, you know, the, the interests of the people are, are a secondary consideration. At the same time, there's a part of me that has to, has to wonder, is the U.S. holding on to a grudge that it really doesn't need to hold on to at, at this point? I, I wonder how much of a threat Cuba actually poses that would justify yeah, so, keeping those things in place. Sure. So part of the, um, the U.S. policy towards Cuba is, of course, uh, rooted in the Cold War. We all know, right? Uh, Cuban yep. missile crisis, the Bay of Pigs invasion, Castro, the, the 1960s and whatnot. And then Cuba financed uh, communist revolutions all throughout the continent, even in Africa for, for a long time. So, of course, the United States has some of that baggage, Cold War baggage uh, situation going on. But there's also, I want to say, domestic political um Concerns that also affect uh, policymakers. Of course, the Cuban American vote is quite important in South Florida. Uh, if not, you can definitely ask the DNC uh, and say and ask them why they didn't win in Florida. Haven't won in Florida for for ten years at least, and they will they will probably say it has something to do with it. So, if the U.S. is the U.S. holding a grudge, I don't know necessarily holding a grudge, uh, but there are. There's some history there that you need to take into account. Okay, Daniel Chang Contreras, thank you so much for being our guest. Where can people find your work? Well, they can uh, follow me on Twitter, and it's at Daniel E. Chang C. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter. They can. Uh, I post regularly at uh, El American, which is a conservative uh, media outlet that is in Spanish and English. And, of course, they can also uh, follow my work in Young Voices. 